Let's open our Bibles together and we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, for those who are visiting, we are kind of working through our statement of faith. And as part of that, we're now at the section looking at the Holy Spirit. It's kind of a mini-series uh, within uh, the bigger series. And we're on gifts of the Spirit. And I'm going to read to you quite a, quite a well-known part from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to focus on two, two gifts of the Spirit. So, first one. 1 Corinthians 12. Now about gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spirit, of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one is given, through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between, between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues, which we've had just now. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Okay, so there are gifts of the Holy Spirit that receive quite a bit of attention. In fact, Paul uh, goes on to really give quite a, quite a significant attention to the gift of prophecy and the gift of speaking in tongues. But there are other gifts that almost just get a mention. And there's two here we're going to focus on today, which is the, the message of wisdom and the discerning or the distinguishing of spirits. And actually this is the only place in scripture where they get a direct reference. And you can almost see that they are a little bit Cinderella-like. You know, they're the gifts that don't get invited to the ball. Added to that, when you read what the Bible scholars say about these gifts, we find out all sorts of different interpretations. For example, with discerning or distinguishing spirits, it could mean the recognition of an evil spirit, of a demonic power, a demonic oppression that is at work in someone's life. Or in circumstances, or actually could be even in a nation. But as well as that, 
It could be identifying a human spirit that is defining that person, that's at work in that person. We actually see that with Jesus quite early on in John's Gospel. You see, he recognises Nathaniel and he says to him, in him, uh, there is, um, yeah, he's truly an Israelite, in him there is no deceit. He recognised kind of the spirit that was at work within Nathaniel. Or it could be that actually it actually refers to the weighing of prophecy. Because it goes on to talk about that in 1 Corinthians 14, and it talks about weighing the spirit behind the prophecy. And it could be about distinguishing the source of where a prophetic word comes from. Okay? Are you with me? Three alternatives on that one. Let's get to the message of wisdom. And there's different viewpoints on that one as well. It could be kind of that moment when God gives a, a revelation or an understanding or an insight, basically a moment of wisdom that unlocks situations. Something that seems trapped and locked up suddenly gets opened up with a word of wisdom. And I guess a great example of that would be in the time of King Solomon where these two prostitutes come before him and they've each had a baby but, but tragically one had died in the night and they've got this one baby and, they, and, and they're both saying, it's my baby, it's my baby. And you can think, how's he gonna, how's he gonna, how is he going to judge on this one? And Solomon says, bring me a sword. I'll cut the baby in half. And at that point, the real mother says, no, she can have the baby. And you think, boy, wisdom. There's a gift of wisdom. But actually, as well, the Bible scholars would say that a strong focus on this letter to the church in Corinth is at a time when everyone's having their say about what wisdom is. Literally, the local wisdom kind of teachers, lecturers, philosophers, they'll turn up in the city and they will pronounce what is wisdom. And actually, Paul is saying, we have a message of wisdom, and it's this. It's the cross. It's everything to do with the gospel. And now some would say that the message of wisdom uh, refers to actually the cross in terms of its contrast to human wisdom. So, what do we do? Well, I want us to have our cake and eat it. Okay, I'm not going to uh, dismiss any of those. I think that conversation lies elsewhere. But what I do is that, what I want us to do is to focus on certain aspects of those interpretations which I believe we can legitimately do. And we can come to our own, conclu our own conclusions. And what helps us in this is we look to Jesus. We look to how Jesus worked. We look to his life. We see, we open the pages of the Gospels and we see the King in action. And as we see Jesus bringing his kingdom 
to pass, we see manifestations of these gifts at work. So we see Jesus exposes the work of unclean spirits. No question. In fact, it happens quite early on. We can read about the Sabbath day when he's in Nazareth and he's in the synagogue and he's reading from the scroll. And as he is reading, there's a, a man with an impure spirit. He cries out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, only one of God. Be quiet. Jesus is sternly. Come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out with him in the street. That is one of many stories where when Jesus taught, it exposed the work of the demonic and of unclean spirits. And he dealt with it. That was the coming of the kingdom of God. They were exposed and they were expelled. But as well, there was more to what Jesus did. He actually exposed religious spirits. A bit later on, you can read about that in Matthew, Matthew 22. And I jump in quite a long uh, time where Jesus really basically goes for it. And he says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. That's a summing up. You can read the rest of the chapter where everything else he says. He's exposing a hypocritical spirit, a religious spirit. That isn't necessarily a demonic spirit. Jesus continually reveals what's happening on the inside. He exposes hypocrisy and he exposes those things that bring fear and bondage and control in followers. He saw what was on the inside. Jesus and the gift of wisdom. The religious leaders continually set traps for him. And they set him these questions that were designed to kind of trip him up and to trap him, to say things that he kind of, they wanted him to say, but would have compromised him. One of those times they, they put a coin, they say, who should we pay taxes to? And Jesus said, show me the coin, present the coin. And, if show, and, and they saw the head of Caesar, they said, well, give to Caesar what Caesar's and give to God what is God's. In that, it was a, a pretty, Jesus wasn't just being clever. That was wisdom. That was like a breath of fresh air from heaven coming to the stale, musty, kind of contaminated arguments that the Pharisees were having. I mean, he's trying to say that's what wisdom does. It is like that breath air, uh, that breath of fresh air. Um, elsewhere, James writes, 
writes about it, he talks about wisdom being pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere. It's wisdom from heaven. And we see that embodied in Jesus, in how he lived, what he did. The wisest thing Solomon did, going back to him, was that when he became king, he asked for wisdom. He didn't ask for money, he didn't ask for riches, he didn't ask for power, he didn't ask for the armies, but he did ask for wisdom. And that's the wisest thing he did. Tragic, tragically, he didn't live by it. But Jesus is the one greater than Solomon. And his kingship, his kingdom, is defined by wisdom. And he lived by it. He was wisdom personified. So later, Paul writes about Jesus in this way, that he's the very uh, treasure. In him are all the treasures of wisdom. So we see Jesus, we see these gifts operating powerfully in Jesus, and we're called to follow him. We're called to grow like him. God wants us as church and church heirs to be those who actually do discern what is going on in people's lives. We do need to have God reveal what's happening on the inside. But also church isn't about being clever. You'd have guessed that already. Church is about knowing the wisdom of God. Church is to be a place, church, we as a people, not just when we gather together, but as we live our lives, somehow we're to know that actually God can give us wisdom. We can live differently. Lives characterised by wisdom, that can be a very breath of fresh air into this very stale and corrupt world that we live in. In fact, Paul speaks in those terms when he talks about being filled with the Spirit. If you to read that in Ephesians 5, he says, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. That's the context to being filled with the Spirit. How do we live as with, with the wisdom of God? Well, make the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is where both these gifts take us, is to being filled with the Holy Spirit. So in these days, we need wisdom. We need the gift of discerning spirits. They are keys to God's kingdom breakthrough in people's lives. Amen? Amen. So, well, God's stir us with these gifts. Just... I'm going to finish with just some very simple things that I believe God wants to help us with. But first, just some knots. You know, N-O-T-S, not K-N-O-T-S. But we've, I think we've found the knots helpful as we've gone through these gifts. Discerning of spirits is not going on a demon hunt. Okay? It's not going on a demon hunt. It's not seeing a demon as the root of every problem. Okay? That sounds an extreme, but some have gone there. This gift is not a battle axe that we kind of just swing round and round and round 
in all sorts of pastoral situations. It's not that. Secondly, though, is not ignoring the reality of the spiritual world. The spiritual world is real. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality and powers. So if we're not to go demon hunting, the other extreme is that we ignore the existence and the operation of unclean spirits, of demonic powers, and we live in ignorance of it. We're not to do that either. We're to be equipped believers in other parts of the world. I think I'm much more tuned to this than we are in the West. And one of the main reasons for that is I think one of the spirits that can, well, one of the things that controls Western thinking is rationalism. But also, discerning spirit is not just about individuals. And this is important to hear. Because often that story I told with Jesus and the unclean spirit, uh, Jesus releasing the man with the unclean spirit, is an individual. We can often think this just in terms of the pastoral. But actually, unclean spirits, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, has ways of manifesting himself in our society. We need eyes open of those controlling things in our society. Materialism, consumerism, individualism, secularism. The idol of celebrity, the idol of self. They are all manifestations of a power at work, particularly in our society. Wisdom is not the same as knowledge. Bible actually says knowledge puffs up. Knowledge on its own can lead to pride. But wisdom, wisdom does something. It, 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 it gives the goodness of God. It releases something in people's lives. It's not the same as worldly wisdom. In fact, that's, let's say, the context of Paul writing this letter. It's the, it attacks the wisdom of the age. You can read about that in chapter 1. Where is the wise person, Paul asks? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? But also wisdom's not the product of chronological age. It's not just something we get as we go old, as we grow older. Sorry. <laughs> but it's true. The book of wisdom, Proverbs. It begins with the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. And that's why you can get a very young person, you could get even a child who loves Jesus in their own way. They can say something and it's wisdom. Tragically, you can get someone who's chronologically very old, even mature in the faith, but their heart has grown hardened, saying that's callous within them. And they say something and it's not wisdom. Now, we need to see these gifts perfectly modelled in Jesus. We need to see the keys to see God's kingdom advance in people's lives. So, how do we grow in them? Firstly, desire them. That's the whole context of 
This section of 1 Corinthians, it goes on to say, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. If we love people, if we want to see lives changed by the gospel, we need these gifts. Let God stir the appetite. We'll be praying again a bit later today. Let God stir a longing for this. Say, God, give me. I want to know these gifts. Give us as a church these gifts more and more. In these days that are evil, we need these gifts. And we're in days when God's preparing and gathering and, and equipping his church. We're living in challenging times that will only get more challenging. We need gifts of the Holy Spirit like this. Let God stir it. Pray for it. Ask God for wisdom. So if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given you. Feed on the wisdom of God in his word. I love the scripture in Colossians 3. which says, let the word of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Remember, the Bible isn't just to increase our knowledge, but it's help us to grow in wisdom. It's the word of Christ. Secondly, choose wisdom. Choose it. We are called. This is a challenge for me, it's a challenge for us all. We're called to live differently. We're called to live a cross-shaped life. That's why I don't want to dismiss that interpretation about the message of wisdom, about the message of the cross. Because there is a wisdom in learning the ways of the gospel. That is to change the way we live. The cross says we live by dying to ourselves. We deny self. The wisdom of the world, today's world, says this. We live by finding ourselves. The gospel says we live by denying self. The cross leads to humility and God's dependence. The wisdom of the world leads to pride and self-reliance. That's why wisdom is so needed. We grow in wisdom as we put Jesus first. Let's remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Thirdly, just two more. Thirdly, consecrate ourselves. Consecrate is an old-fashioned word, but there's no better word. It means setting ourselves from, apart from, and setting ourselves to. So that's a very positive, it has a, a very positive feel to it. And we need to consecrate ourselves from those things that trip us up. The stuff inside of us that we need to discern, that we need to put to death, that I need to recognise and repent of. 
issues like bitterness, uncontrolled anger or fits of anger, sexual immorality, greed, gossip, envy. In fact, James writes about those, and you read about it in James chapter 3, and he actually refers to those as earthly and as demonic, and as a contrast to the wisdom from above. There are times, aren't there, aren't there, we all need to do housekeeping in our own hearts. And we're to let the Holy Spirit search our hearts. And he does that not to condemn, but to convict. He wants us to be a people living by his wisdom. We're shining differently. Consecrate. Let's repent of the stuff that goes on inside of us that we know is wrong. But then let's be equipped with the gifts God wants to use us in to reach others and to be a blessing to others. And as we repent, let's know this, there's forgiveness and grace to purify us. We all need it. This is a challenge to me. And fourthly, Lastly, how do we grow in them? We earnestly desire these gifts. We choose the way of wisdom. We consecrate ourselves freshly to the Lord. And then we look to Jesus. In both these things, both these areas, we look to Jesus. He's the great overcomer. Okay? Before that description of we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers, before that we have this remarkable Encourage her to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Paul focuses on Jesus and then reminds us about the battle we live in. Let's look to Jesus, our mighty overcomer. On the cross there, he disarmed principalities, powers and authority. He made a public spectacle of them. Okay? We serve a victorious king. Victorious, the overcoming, Jesus, let's see him as he is. He now reigns on high, exalted. How do we grow in his gifts? We look to Jesus. And we see his reign, his victory, his authority. But also he is a source of all wisdom. He is our only wise king. All victorious and full of wisdom. I just love, I'll read to you again that scripture from Colossians 2. It says this, verse 3. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus is the source of all wisdom. How do we grow in these things? Well, as church, we look to the head. And he is the overcomer and is the source of all wisdom. And as we receive from him and as we ask, Lord, would you come and fill us with the Holy Spirit? Would you distribute the gifts amongst us that we need in these days that are evil? God will give us more discernment spirits. 
He will give us moments of wisdom into people's lives. But it'll also make us more convinced of the message of wisdom. That is to change our daily lives. God will do it. I, as I prepare this, I've so struggled knowing how do I end this? Because I feel it's quite a serious ending. And I believe it is about consecration. It's about saying, Lord, here I am. You know me. You know the things I struggle with. You know my personal inside near. It's not a very theological word, is it? <laughs> but you know it. You know it, I know it. Lord, I want to repent of that. I want to turn my back on that. I want to live differently. I want to be part of what you're doing in these days. God, this is a day for the church to shine. God, I need you. It's a moment of consecration. And I stand here with you. I, I just happen to be at the front. I think together we should stand before the throne of God. I say, Lord, we freshly give ourselves to you. We freshly do that. Come and fill us again with your Holy Spirit. If you want to do that, and I know some, if you're able to stand, if you're more comfortable sitting, that's fine. It's not the physical stance, it's the heart stance that matters. But if you're able to stand, let's stand. And let's come in from now. And band, Becca and band, just going to come up. We are going to worship again. We're going to worship King Jesus. We're going to worship the only wise one. We're going to worship. That's how we're going to end that time together. But Holy Spirit is here right now. And it's a little bit like at that dawn of creation where the spirit was hovering and there was a fresh work of creation, a fresh work of beauty out of disorder and beauty out of chaos. There's a fresh work as God was doing. And I believe that Holy Spirit is doing that in all of our lives. He is challenging us to the core. He wants us set apart for Him. It's the only wise way to live. All other ways are foolishness. All other ways, uh, you know, even the wisdom of this world, it's foolishness. Just going to lead us in a prayer and kind of, if you want to make it yours, just, you know, just agree with our men. But it might be just 
you know, as we worship, there are certain people who want particular prayer or something. That you need wisdom in a situation. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe we'll do that tonight as well. There may be things being stirred deep within you. Think, I need release. I need help. I need breakthrough in my life. Well, this is a good place to say yes to Jesus. And let him be at work in you. Father, we just come to you now together. We come to you. And Lord, we want to, I want to consecrate myself freshly to you, Lord. I know how I can let just stuff accumulate, stuff, I can tolerate stuff, I can compromise on stuff, I can put stuff off that just needs to be dealt with now that Lord Jesus that just somehow just builds up in my own heart and Lord I come to you now and I say Lord and we come to you now and we say Lord would you cleanse us freshly Lord, we turn again from the wisdom of the world. We turn again from those things that the world says are important. The things that can so catch our eyes at times, but God, they're so shallow. Lord, we pray, come now, fill us freshly. I turn my heart, my eyes, my mind, my spirit to you again, Lord, and say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours, and I want to live fully as yours. I want to be part of your body that, Lord, can operate fully in gifts of the Spirit that you choose to give. But, Lord, to walking in wisdom and bringing wisdom of God into daily life, into the lives of others. Lord, come fill me now with your Spirit. Fill me now, I come before you. I say, fill me and help me, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.